Today's reading is from Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, good morning, uh, Christ City Church. Uh, as has already been said, I'll add my voice um, to the echo. I genuinely miss seeing uh, your faces and our gatherings uh, at minor elementary and in living rooms and backyards and front porches throughout uh, D.C. and the D.C. area. Uh, I can't wait until we're able to gather together again. Again, we're, we're not entirely sure when that will be, but whenever it is, it's going it's gonna to be a great reunion. Uh, I just popped in and took a look at the chat and see that folks are joining us from all over the city, from Northern Virginia and Maryland. Uh, and then we also have folks that are uh, tuning in from uh, across the country, as well as in parts of Europe and Australia. We're just really grateful that the, that the dispersed body of Christ that is Christ City Church is able to tune in in this moment. And so thank you for joining us in worship. Though we are separated geograph geographically in this season of social distancing, and as we navigate the realities of the coronavirus and COVID-19, we will continue to gather in this way virtually. And, and for that, we, we, we thank God for that. Um, and also, I want to thank so many of you for all the text messages and emails that you have sent us here at Christ City over these past few weeks. They've, they've just been so encouraging to us to know that this live stream has been a tool that God has been using in your lives. Having never executed a live stream or online church services before, we weren't entirely sure how this was going to go, but we trusted the Lord. We trusted the Lord's leadership that however it would go, that the Spirit would use it. And that was our prayer, and that's been our prayer each week as we've uh, hit go live buttons on computer screens and phones, that, um, that God would use this. And we've seen God answering those prayers and using this stream of these worship services, as, and it's evidence of God's faithfulness. And we've been so encouraged also to hear from our small group leaders that the online small groups that have continued to meet using different video conferencing platforms that those have been going well as well. And interestingly enough, we are seeing some of the highest levels of participation and attendance in small groups that we've witnessed in some time. And we praise God for that. This week, uh, Pastor Justin and I were on a call with Cynthia Moreland, the new executive director of DC 127, as well as Dana Staley, uh, DC 127's director of programs, who's also a Christ City Church member and small group leader. Um, and they shared with us uh, the news of the generosity of Christ City Church members and all of the donations that you've been sending their way to assist DC 127's um, efforts at caring for families, many of whom are already experiencing so much social isolation. Last week, we shared with you ways that you can give to support Christ City Church members who are themselves experiencing financial hardship as a result of the economic downturn brought on by the COVID-19 outbreak. 
And in the days since sharing that news with you, thousands of dollars have already been given to Christ City Church's Benevolence Fund and is being distributed to those within our body and connected to our church who are experiencing financial challenges, but are seeing the body of Christ come alongside them and meet their needs in Jesus' name. What all of that points to, the, the way that God has used our live stream, ongoing small groups, the care for organizations like DC 127, care for folks within the Christ City family, what all of that points to is this, that the work of Christ is not stopped by pandemics, that God's kingdom isn't stifled by flus even of the worst kind, that the Spirit's movements aren't restricted or distanced, and the work of the church isn't shut down, but God is on the move even in these days. And perhaps it's because of the starkness of these days that we're able to see God's work in its greatest relief. God's love, his might, his compassion, it stands in stark contrast to the bleak news that we've heard throughout this week. And yet even with this storm that we now find ourselves in, God's words to us, his commands to us, his promises to us, they are still valid because pandemics don't void God's word, God's work, or God's people. And the work of our God is not stopped, it is not stifled, it is not silenced or repressed by pandemics or disasters, those created by human nature or mother nature. And we too, as a church, are part of what God is doing in our time and in our place. So neither is the work of Christ City Church as God leads us going to be stifled or stopped. We will continue in the work of proclaiming the gospel and inviting others to believe in Jesus and join in God's work of renewal, of seeing God's rule and reign take root in every life and every sphere of life. We will continue being proclaimers and storytellers of this good news. We will continue the work of disciple-making, coming alongside fellow faith journeymen and women in our small groups and considering what it means to order our lives around the life, death, resurrection, and teachings of Jesus. We will continue the work of justice, of being a sign, foretaste, and instrument of God's renewing and restorative work here in Washington, D.C. We will continue to be a community of compassion and generosity, most especially in these times when it is so desperately needed. And we will do so because God displayed ultimate compassion and generosity towards us in Jesus and continues to do so by the presence of His Spirit. I say all of this to remind us that even in days of darkness, that we can gather together in this virtual way, that we can gather together and say to one another and together in sobriety and joy, as the psalmist says, many, Lord my God, are the wonders that you have done, the things that you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and to tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Not only has this been true over the 3,000 years since the psalm was first written, but it has been true over the past several weeks as well. Many are the wonders of the Lord. If I were to speak and to tell of the Lord's deeds, they would be too many to declare. I suspect that, that, that many of you have testimonies of God's faithfulness to you as well as through you in the past few weeks ways that God has met you and ministered to you, or ways that God has used you to show his love towards others. I just want to take a minute, if, if you're comfortable sharing that testimony in a few words, feel free to share that in the comments section or in the chat as a way to encourage those that are following the stream. 
And if you can't share the details, but you've got a testimony, you can simply just type amen in the chat, and we'll see that as an unspoken testimony of God's goodness to you or through you. What, um, what I want to do this morning in the, in the remaining time that I have is to give some closure to our Learning to Live series. In January, we began this series, and I know that it can seem like the world was a different place when we first began learning to live. And even if that feels like the case, what I want to remind you of is that God isn't, he hasn't changed. He's remained the same. In the series, in the sermons that followed, uh, we followed the small group curriculum that was written and developed by Christ City Church Pastor Justin Fung. And when we began the series, our hope and our prayer and aim was that this series would allow us to develop a common language or uh, shared vocabulary of faith. And part of the shared vocabulary included what we mean when we talk about things like the kingdom of God, the gospel, and being a disciple. When we designed learning to live in such a way that we would also have common experiences, common experiences with your small group as well as with uh, the church at large, experiences of storytelling and prayer and service. Because discipleship isn't just taught in a room, it's caught in the streets. It's not just learned, but it's also experienced. And how we imagined those common experiences prior to the coronavirus outbreak and how they ultimately were executed, those are, are very different in many ways. But in some ways, this season has actually allowed us uh, an unexpected common experience. And that shared experience, though unexpected, is forming the context of our discipleship in ways that I know that God is using as well. But more than a common language and more than common experiences, there was a common goal. And that goal was that through all of this, that we would be formed into the likeness of Jesus. When we began this series in January, one of the things that I said then and that I would say again now is that above all, our hope and prayer is that the Spirit of God would use this tool and these messages in this season to shape or to reshape parts of your soul and of your life. And now as we're at the end of this series, the lingering question for us is, what's next? Now that we've gone through all of this, what do I do with all of this? We've covered so much ground over the past 12 weeks. We took time to understand our life stories and begin understanding how our stories intersect the larger story that God is telling in the world. We considered how God is forming us individually and collectively and how God wants to reform us uh, more fully into his image, which is to say to form our lives into the whole healed, restored lives that he's always intended for us to have. We wrestled with and were confronted by and comforted by the Bible and sought to make sense of this ancient book that guides our life and our faith. And over the past two weeks, as we've begun to quarantine in our homes, we explored some of what it means to be the church as well as the mission that God's gospel compels us towards. And so now at this point, we're looking back and asking, now what and what's next? In response to this question, what I want to commend to you is, is Paul's prayer for the church in Colossae from Colossians 1. We read the passage earlier, but it bears rereading. Beginning in verse 9 of chapter 1, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in knowledge, in the knowledge of God, 
being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. A quick bit of context here. Paul is writing to a church community that he loves, but he's writing from prison. And though the church in Colossae has been, it's been strong and faithful, there are a couple of things that have begun to bear down on them. First, they're a church that's experiencing persecution. Persecution of the Christian faith, it continues to crop up throughout the Roman Empire. And the church there is experiencing some of that, both culturally as well as oppression from Rome. And second, there began to spread within the Colossian church a heresy that held at its core a disbelief in the work of Jesus on the cross. And this belief was beginning to have ill effects uh, on the church and especially on their understanding of their own identity in Christ. They're beginning to wonder if Christ's work is sufficient to save them and to sustain them in these storms of life. And into this climate, Paul is writing and he's saying to his friends, He's saying, sisters, brothers, we're praying for you. And what we want God to continue to do is to fill you with knowledge and wisdom and understanding of who he is. Paul is saying, church, grow. Grow in the knowledge. Grow in the understanding. Grow in the wisdom of who God is to you. The church knew the good news. They they knew the truth of God's love and of God's rescue. And Paul is urging them to continue in what they've learned to build on what they know to be true. And the words that he uses, he uses knowledge, understanding, wisdom, these these sort of three words, knowledge and understanding, this is like mental cognition of something or someone or some task. It's the basic facts and figures and histories of a thing. This takes study. Wisdom, though, that's the practical ability of knowing when and how to apply that knowledge, and that takes living. I got a picture I want to show you. I think it'll come up on the slides. Um, that young man there, that's, that's me. That's vintage, 1993. Quarterback for the Skyline High School Raiders. I didn't start. I was a little deep on the bench, but that was me nonetheless. Uh, in that picture, I'm 17 years old. The whole world uh, and a whole life is in front of me. Now, I knew some things at 17. Uh, I was sharp. I was on the honor roll sometimes. Um, can't be perfect all the time. I had some knowledge. I had some understanding. I had like a thimble full of wisdom. I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I I think back, what would I say to my younger me? I don't know. Maybe do you do that? Do you ever think back? If you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what would you say? There's some counsel I would give this young man for sure. Um, some decisions that I made that just, that they weren't the wisest. At one point in my life, I, brought, I bought a suit. It was a bright purple suit. I bought it for Easter. When I put it on and came out, I remember my grandfather looking me up and down and asking me, he said, son, are you going to church or a dice game? I, I probably would have made a different choice there. Other choices, though, they include some relationships that I should have avoided, habits uh, I wish I had didn't pick up because of the pain that I had to endure to break those habits. Hurts, disappointments that maybe I could have spared if I turned a different direction. But when I think about going back and giving this young man that counsel, I also think about how God in his providence is able to use some of those same things from my past to help me understand him better and deeper. 
because the thing is, it's, it's the life that I have lived from that young man up until now that has grown not just my knowledge and my understanding of God, but has also allowed me in some measure to have some wisdom after having walked with Jesus through pains and sorrows and joys and achievements and failures. It's those very seasons of life and those years of life, including the years that I wish had been shorter or that I had avoided altogether. It's those very years of walking with Jesus that have helped me understand myself and my God all the more. And there's wisdom in that. Wisdom that comes from living through seasons of life with one's Savior. In his poem entitled, Maybe, spoken word artist Harry Baker, he talks about the hard seasons of life and how those are the things that can shape us. In his poem, he says this, Not every day's a battle, not every part of life's a war. It is the times that lie between that needs to be worth fighting for. Remember what this moment is. You may not have chosen this, but one day you will be someone who rose from this. If you see the same in others, you can notice this. Sometimes we're too involved in things to see this, the hope in it. So show some of this. There's no eclipse without some kind of glow in it. In many ways, I think this is in keeping with what Paul is commending to the church in Colossae. And he's answering our questions about what next and what now. After having learned to live, what's next? What Paul would say to us is he would say live. Continue to grow in wisdom and live as that wisdom matures. In your living, grow in your knowledge and understanding of who God is in the world and in your life. And out of that living with the Lord will come increasing wisdom. But he also couples that living with a purpose. Verse 10, he says this, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Now that you've learned to live, your next step is to live out what you know, to live with a purpose. In the same way that a doctor, after having studied medicine, is to now practice medicine, or a lawyer, after having learned the law, is to practice law, or a counselor, after having learned the art of counseling, is to now counsel, or an artist, after learning the, the theory of art, is to then produce works of art that makes our hearts sore, now we are to live with the God who loves us and saved us that we have learned about. But that living is to do something, it's to... It's to produce fruit. It's to be encapsulated in deeds. There ought to be increasing evidence in our lives that Christ is making a difference. In another letter, Paul would identify the fruits of a life lived with Christ as the fruit of the Spirit. He would list a number of them in Galatians 5.22. He would say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These, in increasing measure, ought to be the things that mark our lives. Not immediately, but slowly by slowly, surely by surely. The thing when we 
review these lists or these qualities, these fruits of the Spirit. So often we think of these qualities as things that are just displayed in our personal lives, as acts of personal piety. And it's true that joy and peace and patience, they can and will be displayed in my personal life as I walk with the Holy Spirit in my life. There should be places wherein I'm maturing in love or joy or gentleness. When I interact with my children or my wife or my neighbors, the Spirit's work in my life, over time spent with the Lord, it will produce a peace in me that is not dependent on my circumstances or a joy that doesn't require external celebration. And yet, in Colossians, Paul is wedding fruit with my deeds. The, the external ways that my faith is lived out, there ought to be a way that the Spirit's fruit is displayed in my pursuits of justice, in my love of enemies, in my passion for God's renewal. For if I'm only kind to my family and friends, what is so kind about that? If I have to ask, where am I growing in kindness? I have to ask, where am I growing in kindness with those that I don't like, or those that I don't enjoy, or with those that I view as my enemy or my rival? Where am I being gentle with those that are different than me, or with those that I'm inclined to view as outsiders or undeserving of gentleness? If I'm only gentle with those who are gentle with me, well, then what's so gentle about that? If I am only self-controlled with those who are similarly expressing self-control towards me, then am I really bearing fruit in keeping with God's Spirit? Because Paul weds our fruit with our deeds. He's requiring us to see the connections between the Spirit of God and the mission of God. For it will be in precisely these places that our witness to the world will become clearest. You see, when we, as those who have been rescued by Christ, exercise love towards our enemies, when we cultivate joy in the midst of sorrowful situations, when we work for peace, when we're surrounded by violence, when we display patience in the face of immaturity and vitriol, when we show kindness to the unkind, when we value goodness in the company of those bent on evil, when we pursue faithfulness over pragmatism, when we demonstrate gentleness in a culture of anger, and when we practice self-control in a society drunk on immediate gratification, then will we be will we be living in a manner in keeping with the gospel. God will get the glory and we will find ourselves learning to truly live. The last thing I'll say, and I'll end here, the last thing that Paul would commend to us in answering what's next, he would exhort us to remember God's love towards us. Verses 12 and 13 of Colossians 1, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. It would be a, a tremendous loss if we come out of this season of learning to live with the belief that what is required is our own handiwork, and it would be a greater loss if we clung to the godless belief that our ability to work at learning to live as Jesus would have us live is what wins God's favor. It's not true. But rather, God is the one who loved us first. It is the work of Jesus that qualifies us. It is God's love that rescued us, not our ability to do right or to do good or be faithful to the Lord. 
God rescued, God loved, God brought us from death to life, God redeems us, God forgave us. And it is because of that freedom and that love that we are now freed to live. So now what? What's next? Live in light of the love that you've heard. Live in light of the love that you have received and in which you've believed. And live in the security of God's redeeming work in your life and his renewing work in the world. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for this season that you have had us in. As we have explored the tenets of our faith and marks of discipleship, God, I pray that that those lessons wouldn't be quickly forgotten as a season in the past that was complicated by a pandemic, but that it was the thing that anchored us in the midst of a storm. God, that you would continue these lessons that we have learned, that you would work them into our soul and that they would become part of the fabric of our being because every turn reminds us that you are the God that loves us and saves us and rescues us. You are the God that invites us into a relationship with you. And that is the fuel for our living. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.